Heavenly Father, you are, you are awesome in this place, Lord. And what delight it brings to our hearts just to be able to worship you and, and, and come to you and open our hearts to you. Lord, just in a sense, not only get to know you, but to experience that love, to experience, Lord, and, and, and the revelation of knowing that you are Abba, Father, Papa, a God, Father, who wants to be intimate, not distant, a God who wants to be every part of our life. So, Lord, we open up ourselves this morning. Holy Spirit, you are most welcome to just come and, and do whatever needs to be done. You know each person. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Who's had a great week? Yeah. Praise the Lord. God's awesome. And um, I've just really enjoyed, as Jamie was saying, this whole series of grace. And I'll just have to correct one thing. It won't be the last time we speak on grace, but amen. Uh, it'll be the last of this series. I know where he was coming from, but I just thought I'd better say that just in case you're thinking we're never going to speak on grace again, because how can we not? As, uh, as you've come to know, grace is one of the most important things that we can learn about the character of God. And uh, as we wrap up this morning, I just hope that I can really just hit that home um, for you. And I really sense as I was preparing for this that God just wants to also, um, in a sense, just, just solidify it. And so we're going to have a time of ministry after this um, because it's not just about hearing my words, isn't it? I mean, even as fantastic as they're going to be, it's not just about them. It's about letting the Holy Spirit just do a work in us. Amen? Come on, he says. All right, I better come on. So let's go to um, Titus. If you've got Titus, chapter 2, we're going to um, just have a look at that this morning. And we're going to read a little bit from it and then go on from there. So it's up on the screen if you haven't got your Bibles, but sometimes it's better to open up the book or open up the device and uh yeah it's interesting isn't it we say the device imagine about four or five hundred years ago they, they would have been saying unroll your scrolls or open up your bible you know that and, and for us it seems weird that we say open up your bible or turn on your device but don't get hung up on that because it's just it's all the same isn't it so open up your device or unroll your scrolls Hallelujah. And let's read from Titus 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Amen. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These then are the things you should teach, encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. Okay, a lot of great things to be said in that passage and we could probably spend another four weeks just unpacking that those four or five scriptures there. But, you know, over the last four weeks, we've been focusing on different aspects of God's grace and we looked at it from a lot of different angles. And, you know, if you've been with us for a while, you've probably come to learn that we speak on grace quite a bit. Um, and, and that's on purpose, on purpose, um, because we want to know 
that grace is one of the, the foundational truths of our Christian walk. You know, as a church, we understand that everything about our walk with Christ flows from his grace. Ephesians tells us that grace is a gift, isn't it? It's a gift. It is not earned. We can't um, bargain for it. We can't make promises to God in exchange for it. We don't plead for it. What do we do? We just accept it by faith. That's what we do. Grace is given and it is accepted by faith. You think, how is it possible? Well, as you've come to know over the last four or five weeks, it's because it begins and it ends with God. Can you say it with me? It begins and it ends with God. Everything about grace begins and ends with God. But you see, sometimes the danger is if you keep preaching grace, one or two things might happen. And Paul came across this as he wrote in, the, in, the, in his letters. The first thing is that you could be accused of presenting an easy gospel. True? God's grace can't be that simple. My salvation can't be that simple. I can't just say yes to God and then everything's all right from here on in. You can be accused of saying that. But that's not what God's grace is about, is it? How can God just dismiss everything about me and give me a fresh start, we might ask? How can he just turn a blind eye to all my imperfections? Well, there's two things there that I think we need to touch on. It's not about me. It's not about me, is it? It's about God. God's grace is not about me. God's grace is actually about God. It's his love, his character. It's not whether we deserve it or not. It flows from an abundance that is God and finds its place in our heart when we accept it. I hope you've come to know by now that we we are not the centre of the universe. God is creator. You see, even in our faith, we might think it's our faith, but the Bible tells us in Hebrews that actually Jesus is the author and the completer or the finisher or the perfecter, depends which translation. So even in our faith, we can't claim that it's ours. God created and gave us the measure of faith. It's not about us. God's grace is about God's character of love. And once we have that revelation, we come to understand that his love does not demand, but it actually empowers. Did you know that? So sometimes we think, and people might get the wrong idea, that God is a demanding God, that he makes all these demands upon us. But that's not true. See, as we'll read through Titus in a little bit, what happens is that because of the great love in us and the reciprocal love that we show towards God, it actually empowers us to live a right life. See, if we're struggling to live a right life, then today's message is most likely going to challenge you to rethink how you're living. 
and that's good. So the second thing, as part of that first point, so you can, if you're taking notes, it's 1.2, is that God doesn't turn a blind eye. You see, a just judge does not dismiss wrongdoing. That's not justice, is it? And so it's not a, in a sense that God just, you know, dismisses our sin. All sin needs to be paid for, doesn't it? Every sin needs to be paid for. And in fact, the only time he turned his face away was actually when that sin was being hung on the cross. When Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was that sense that he'd, he, 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 he'd come to a realization that the Father had turned his face from him. And that sense of isolation because of the sin in his, that was being poured out upon him. And so don't think you're getting away with it if you're committing wrongdoing. You actually, it's on the back of Jesus. Every whip that he, um, that was upon his back, every curse that was upon him was our wrongdoing. So don't think that God just dismisses it just like that. There was a price to be paid. But in a sense, it was an exchange, wasn't it? That our sin was exchanged for Jesus' righteousness. And we could look at that, but that's for another time. The second danger in sharing grace is that we might start to think that if God's grace is so great, then it doesn't matter what we do or how we live. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? But nothing could be further from the truth. See, Paul was facing this accusation when he was writing the book of Romans. They're saying, Paul, you're talking about this grace. You're talking about that God covers every sin that we, we commit. So that just means that we can keep on, on sinning. And Paul addresses this in Romans 6. And he says, what? By no means. Don't treat grace with contempt. The, the revelation of grace and God's love in our life will actually compel us, empower us to actually do what is right. It's not a chore. It's not a burden. It's actually a desire within us that this great love that's been revealed to us empowers us to say, I want to do this right. Not that sense of, we'll see who's looking and see what I can get away with. God's love, his grace empowers us, doesn't it? It, it forms our thinking and it trains us. Can we go on sinning so that God's grace can abound even more? Don't be ridiculous. That's my paraphrase. Come on. No, it doesn't. You know, throughout the, the whole series of grace, we've been looking at a few things. We've been looking at God's grace of mercy. In that sending his son and reaching out to the world to save us and not condemn us. We saw God's grace of forgiveness around Easter by sending his son to the cross so that our sins would not count against us. On Easter Sunday, we saw 
and heard about God's grace of redemption, that in raising Jesus from the grave, we have also been raised from the dead and have eternal life. And last week, if you remember, we learnt about God's grace of favour, that in his calling in our life as witnesses, that we bear a great truth. We bear a great truth. But today we're looking at God's grace of empowerment. How it empowers us. And this he did by sending the Holy Spirit. There was a promise that was made. That we would be able to live right when we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus talked about it while he was here on earth. Paul wrote about it many times in his letters. And the letter Paul wrote to Titus does not so much focus on the theological issues like the book of Romans, but it actually is quite a good instructional book for us in how we should live. See, Paul was writing to Titus about how to instruct the new believers, in how to live. And for us it rings true as well, irrespective of whether we've been in Christ for a day or for a decade. It still rings true for us. And it's good to be reminded of these things. It unpacks, in a sense, the two great commandments of love, firstly of God and then to others. And if we go back up, if you've got your Bibles, if we go back up to the beginning of chapter 2, Let's just pick out a few things as it says in verse 1. But as for you, promote the kind of living that reflects right teaching. Verse 2, it says, teach the older men to exercise self-control, be worthy of respect and to live wisely. Verse 3, he says, similarly teach the older women to live in a way that is appropriate for someone serving the Lord. Verse 4, these older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to take care of their homes, to do good and be submissive to their husbands. Verse 6, in the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely in all they do. There's some good instructions here, isn't there? Verse 7, and you yourself must be an example to them by doing good deeds of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Verse 8, let your teaching be so correct that it can't be criticized. Verse 9, slaves, you must obey your masters. Okay, In modern terms, you might say employees, obey your employers and do their best to please them. They must not talk back or steal. They must show themselves to be entirely trustworthy and good then they will make the teaching about God, our Saviour, attractive in every way. So you could wrap all that up and, and much more of Titus's letter by saying, guys, don't be hypocrites. If you speak of the goodness of God and the transformation of God and the empowerment of God with your mouth, then reflect it in the way you live. And in that, People will embrace the message that you share. 
if you fully embrace the grace of God and understand that his presence is our empowerment, then this is what life should look like. We might think right now, hey, I've tried. I've tried living right. Gosh, it's hard. I've tried doing the right thing, but everyone around me keeps pushing me to to follow the other way. All these things we might have experienced and encountered during our, our walk with Christ. I know I have. I've tried to love others. I've tried to do the right thing. I've tried this and I've tried that. But you know what the trouble with all those statements are? The very first letter. I. I. I've tried. And that's not the focus, is it? See, if we're doing it in our own strength, then yes, we will fail. But when we allow God, the Holy Spirit, to empower us, then it's not so much I have to try. In a sense, it's I'm allowing God to do. You get that? I'm allowing God to do something through me. You know, there's a, if you're a Star Wars fan like me, in uh, Return of the Jedi, there's a scene where Luke Skywalker goes and finds Yoda to, to basically finish off his, his Jedi training. And we see that in it, Luke is trying to do many things. And in a sense, he keeps failing. But let's have a look at this and just see. Always with you, what cannot be done. Hear you nothing that I say. You must unlearn what you have learned. All right, I'll give it a try. No, try not. Do or do not. There is no try. Whatever you think, whatever you think of Yoda, that's beside the point. But in a sense, there's only two options: we either do or we do not. Okay. And when we allow God to work through our life, we allow Him to challenge us. We find that we want to do. We want to do. Because if we, if we don't, it's quite simple, isn't it? Nothing happens. So we have to allow God to work through us. There's another thing that he said there, which is worthy of note, is that you have to unlearn what you have learned. And, you know, when we come to Christ, often we've come to him with, with what people term as baggage. You know, baggage is just our life experiences. It's the way we, we've, we've done things in the past. It's the way we've experienced life previously. And a lot of that we carry into our Christian walk, and a lot of it we use as filters. When God is trying to work through us, we sort of put blockages there and say, well, hang on a sec, I've tried that. I've gone down that path. But that hasn't worked for me. And what we tend to do is we, we, we stop and we think, no, I'm not going there. 
But let us realize that when we, we come to Christ, we are a new creation. Amen. We are brand new. And we need to allow ourselves to think afresh. Not to rely on our past experiences, but to allow God to work through us. Because it says in Titus, verse 11, we're going to read it again. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. To all men, to everyone. It has appeared. There is no exception. And verse 12 goes on to say, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. It teaches us. And sometimes in that learning, there's unlearning. Sometimes as we've been taught, we need to take off that, that, that thinking of, hey, I know this. But what is the it? It teaches us. It's talking about the grace of God, the grace that has brought salvation, the grace that has appeared to all men. It teaches us. But what is that tangible expression of God's grace? It is, of course, the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit. What was Jesus talking about in John chapter 14? He said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you in all truth. The world at large cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognise him. But you do because he lives with you now and later will be in you. The tangible Manifest expression of God's grace is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit isn't some theoretical, theological concept. He is a real person. And you see, sometimes we just think that he's walking with us. But that's Old Testament. That's Old Testament. Holy Spirit doesn't walk with us. He actually lives in us. That's what Jesus said. He will live in you. And it's that sense of desiring God Almighty in the Holy Spirit to live in us. You see, later after his resurrection in Luke, 2449 he says I will send the holy spirit just as my father promised but stay here in the city until the holy spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven fills you with power from heaven I don't know how else to say it guys The Holy Spirit fills us with power. He is what empowers us. He is what drives us, in a sense, to fulfill everything that God has destined for our life. And without Holy Spirit, we're like a Ferrari parked in the garage without a tank of fuel. Looks good. Might smell good, might be all shiny, but it ain't going nowhere. 
yeah, we might be able to push it along on our own effort. But the Holy Spirit is the high-octane fuel that gives us the power. See, as Christians, we hear a lot about the Holy Spirit. But what's the one thing about God? He's not a distant, theoretical being. He is an intimate God. And the Holy Spirit, as part of God's nature, desires intimacy. Such intimacy that he actually resides in us. Every breath we take. I'm going to ask the team to come, please. Holy Spirit desires that intimacy. God's grace was manifested historically in the events surrounding Jesus' life on earth and with his death and resurrection. Now for us, God's grace is manifest through the Holy Spirit's presence in us. You see, Jesus said, you see me here now, but I'm going. How many times have you heard people say, if only Jesus was walking with me, I'd do this thing a lot better. But you know what? He is. He is. He's walking with us, in us. You see, that's what he meant when Jesus said, I will send you another counsellor. He's actually saying, the word means, I will send you one who is exactly like me. And they will lead you in all truth. But see, we need the ears to hear. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. All the time. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. Even in the simple thing, it's not always about the spiritual what we call holy things. It's about the everyday life things. And even as recent as last night, you know, I was making a cuppa for the girls and I filled Natalia's cup up a bit too much. And as I was looking at it, I just had this sense, Roger, you should probably empty some of that out in the, in the sink. But I thought, nah, it's, it's fine. So I took it into the girls and gave it to them and Natalia's cup was very hot and we were to and fro weren't we? We were trying to grab different things and a bit of it spilt out onto her leg and actually burnt her a bit. I thought to myself, Holy Spirit, you were talking to me, weren't you? You see, it's about the everyday little things that we be, need to be able to listen to and not just think in retrospect, but act upon it in the moment. I don't know what you're sensing right now, but I'm believing Holy Spirit is talking to you right now. Because the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to everyone. You see, the world doesn't recognize him, but we do, don't we? I hope we do. If you don't, then you can do something about that right now.
If you've never received salvation, then you need to do this right now. Don't leave without it. This is one of the most important things you can do in your life. Receive the salvation of God. Recognize Holy Spirit right now. You know, the Bible talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And as a CRC church, we believe that it is sometimes it comes when we're born again, but often it's a separate experience. And we need to ask Holy Spirit to fill us, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. See, if you're struggling, that's probably because you haven't been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I want to allow time right now for us to be ministered to by God. If you want that, why don't you just stand in your seat right now? Because it's a continual thing as well. It's not just a one-off thing. It's a continual refreshing. Because as we expend we also need to refill. It's almost like we need to leak out Holy Spirit everywhere we walk. Because your presence is heaven to me. you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, then I want to pray for you. I want you to come forward. If you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then come forward. There's an act of faith in stepping forward. It's between yourself and God right now.